If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open it up to John chapter 15. Last week, we, we moved on to chair number four, and in some ways, we should have had the most lush, the most technologically advanced recliner in the world in that spot, because in a lot of ways, chair four is like the, 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 mo- the comfiest, safest place to be. And that's true because the safest place to be in the world is in the will of God. And if you are a chair for disciple, uh, you are in the will of God. You're going to see more of that in our reading today. And we desire to be there because we are no longer dead and we can be thankful for that. We're, we, we, we've progressed, we've graduated from being a baby and on uh, having a steady diet of milk. Uh, and then uh, we've, we're no longer a, a teenager uh, who can eat solid food, but we still rely a whole lot on a rabbi, on a teacher, on a parent to lead us. We are now in chair four where we are, as we saw last week, friends of God. We have joined in his mission. We're no longer co-workers. Uh, what we read in John and what we will read again today is we're, we're no longer servants or slaves. We are friends. We share in his mission. He has taught us. Do we know everything? No. But we, are, we know enough and we're invested to the point that he says to us, go and bear fruit. So in a lot of ways, that chair is safe But in a lot of ways, it's also the most dangerous chair of the four. Because you are so united, because you are so abiding with Christ, Christ in you, that being in chair four means that you are going to go places that you never thought you would go. That you will have conversations with people that you never thought you would have. That you will do things with your skills, with your finances, with the blessings that God has given you that you never imagined doing. So yes, we are safe because we are abiding in Christ, but it's dangerous because it leads us to do some amazing, challenging, dangerous things. Today, what I want us to do is I want us just to hear from Jesus. I don't know if you were like this, but when I was a teenager and I sort of tuned out of the sermon, uh, I would start looking through my, through, through my Bible for those pages that were all read just to see if I could find it. All the words of Jesus. And these three chapters are 99% just the words of Jesus. So I want us just to listen to him with a, with a little bit of comment thrown in every once in a while. If you're, if you're a note taker, let's just get those taken care of right off the bat. Right? If you, whether on your phone or device or on paper, right, I, this, the, 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 the note sheet today is just the flow of these three chapters. So it starts out in chapter 15 where Jesus says, you are now my friends. You're no longer slaves, you're no longer servants, you're no longer co-workers, you are my friends. And because of that, the world is going to hate you. And then he gets into chapter 16 and he changes from the world's hate going to hate you to some positive stuff. And he says, but remember, the Holy Spirit is in you. And your sorrow will be turned to full joy. And I so much appreciate that that here Jesus says, and he doesn't just say, and you're joy, but he says you're full 
joy. And then he says, and remember, I have overcome. Or depending on your translation again, I have conquered. And that's important to us, church. Because a lot of the time, we think that we are fighting for victory, that we are fighting in order to win, and that's completely wrong. We fight because the battle, we fight from victory. We know the outcome. We know Jesus has already defeated sin and death, so we fight from victory. We don't, we don't live and hope that victory is coming. We live fully, full of joy because victory has been won by Jesus Christ. So there is the flow. There is your notes. Now you can sort of tuck that into your Bible and you can lean in and you can listen to the words of Jesus to us. We progress from John 1:39, where he said to these seekers who were questioning, what's he going to do? Where are you going? And Jesus just said, come and see. And a little bit later, he said to some of those same men, he said, follow me. That's all you got to do. Just follow me and pay attention. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to ask you to do anything except to follow and pay attention. And then sometime later, he, extend, he, he lengthens that invitation. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now you're going to start doing some of what you've seen me doing. I'm not going to kick you out of the boat. I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to be available. You're going to go out for a bit, but then you're going to come back. But you're going to start sharing in the ministry with me. And here, Jesus says, all that I have got from my Father, I give to you. Go and bear fruit. So let's look at these chapters together. And I encourage you uh, just to, to pay attention to, to themes, to words or phrases that you see pop up over and over, uh, to, to the, the, this idea that this is a really a precursor to the Great Commission that's coming in not too many days from here. Right? John chapter 15. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Notice what he is saying. Sometimes bad things happen to us because of our dumb decisions. Sometimes we go through rough seasons, um, things that hurt because we live in a sinful world. Sometimes we get pruned because Jesus wants to grow more in us. And remember that. Verse number nine, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. 
remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. And so here we start to think, okay, here He goes. This is, this is, we're, we're only in His good grace if I keep His commands. And we start to develop this list of not just ten commands, right, but all these other commands that we have to adhere to in order for God or for Jesus to look at us favorably. But please, please, please pay attention. Please don't jump out of this text into another text and start grabbing stuff from there because he soon tells us what that command is. And it's something that he says covers all the law and the prophets, all the commands. And also notice that Jesus is not asking us to do something that he hasn't already done. He has already kept the Father's commands. And now he's encouraging, he's imploring us to keep those commands as well. Verse 11, I have spoken these things so that you may, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Here you go, right? Love one another as I have loved you. Again, another place. This sums up all the law and the prophets. No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I do not call you slaves anymore because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go out and produce fruit, and your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, in case you weren't paying attention the first time, love one another. Now, notice here, God is not saying that he's a vending machine God. You come to him with a prayer, like you come to a vending machine with a coin, put it in, press the right button, and out pops whatever your heart desires. No. There's something else deeper here. He's saying when you are in the Father's will, Ask whatever you want. Why? <laughs> because when you, are the, when you are a friend of God, when you are abiding in him, when you are keeping the commands just as Christ kept the commands, right, your will is indistinguishable from the Father's. And the Father is not going to say no to anything in his will. Verse 18, he jumps to the negative if the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they don't know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. Now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done the works among them that no one else has done, they would not have sinned. Now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But this happened 
so that the statement written in the Scripture might be fulfilled, they hated me for no reason. I need you to think about who Jesus, or remember who Jesus is talking about right here. He is talking to the Pharisees. That's, they are the whole launching pad for this, this discussion. Right? And they, they were in love with God. They loved God's rules and God's commands. The only thing they loved more than, than, than keeping God's commands was making sure that you kept God's commands and jumping on you when you did not. They loved God. But he says here right, that because they love God, they should have also loved me, but they don't. And they've rejected us, and they really have no reason for hating me because we're one. Verse 26, he turns back to the good news. When the counselor, your version, your translation may say advocate, may say helper. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You will also testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. Think about that. You want an example? Paul. Paul loved God so much that he thought killing this Jesus movement was serving and honoring God. And it wasn't until Jesus got his attention real quick that he realized that he was on the wrong side of that battle. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember I told them to you. I, I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going away to him who sent me. And not one of you asks me, where are you going? Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is to your benefit that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and I will no longer, and you will no longer see me. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit comes, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own, but He will speak whatever He hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because He will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. That is why I told you that He takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. I just want you to pay attention to what this helper, this, this paraclete, to use the original word, the, this advocate this counselor does. All the way back in chapter 15 and verse 26 or 27, he will testify and he will enable you to testify. Back in 16, he will convict the world of truth. Church, that's God's job, not ours. Ours is to lift up Jesus. His is to convict the world of sins uh, uh, and of righteousness and of the coming judgment. And and when the Spirit comes, He will guide you. He will tell you what the Father desires of you. Because He doesn't say anything of His own accord. Only what comes down from the Father. 
This is the spirit that is so integral to your daily walk. He reminds us of our purpose. He empowers us for our purpose. In verse number 16, a little while and you will see and you will no longer see me. Again, a little while and you will see me. All right, this is a little funny right here. I want you to imagine this group of disciples sitting around listening to Jesus. Therefore, some of his disciples said to one another, what is this he tells us? A little while and you will not see me. Again, a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father, they said, what is this he is saying? A little while. We don't know what he's talking about. And Jesus knew that they wanted to question him. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I said? A little while and you will not see me. Again, a little while and you will see me. I assure you, you will weep and wail, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers her suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice, and no one will rob your joy from you. In that day, you will not ask me anything. I assure you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. I have spoken these things to you in figures of speech. Right? Again, stay in this vision of, what, of these disciples around him and, and what you know of Simon Peter and how he probably still has the, the taste of sandal leather in his mouth because he was constantly sticking his foot in his mouth. Think about James and John, the sons of thunder, because they had these short fuses and they, uh, they, had, these, they had to have these family discussions, at least with mom, about being in uh, the most prominent seat once they get into the kingdom of God in heaven. Uh, think about uh, Matthew, who was hated by everybody. Think about that in this room is Judas Iscariot, who was just about ready to betray Jesus. Uh, think about uh, there, there being this, this zealot and this Iscariot uh, person in there, uh, and, and all of these people, this combination of people who don't even like each other most of the time, if it wasn't for Jesus. Think about them being in this room. As Jesus says, I have spoken these things to you in figures of speech. A time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, I am not telling you that I will make requests to the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and believed that I have come from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and going to my Father. Ah, oh, the disciples said. Now you're speaking plainly and not using any figurative language. Now we know that you know everything and don't need to question, and we don't need to question, and don't need anyone to question you. By this we believe. You came from God. Jesus responded to them, Do you now believe? Look, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. I have overcome the world. And then Jesus breaks into prayer, a three-part prayer for himself, for those listening, and for all believers, me and you. Pray this prayer with your Savior. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. For you gave him authority over all flesh so he may give eternal life to all you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. That last, those last few lines, Dad, I've done my job. It's time to go home. Glorify me by bringing me home. And then he changes his prayer's focus to his disciples. I have revealed your name to them, to the men that you gave me from the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that all things you have given me are from you, because the words that you gave me I have given them. They have received them and have known them for certain, and they know, have known for certain that I come from you. They have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me because they are yours. Everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine. And I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them is lost except the son of destruction, so that the scripture may be fulfilled. Now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in my world, in the world, so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world as I am not of the world. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them, so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. And then he prays for all believers all times, all disciples, across all generations. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their message. May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us, so the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory that you have given me. May they be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. 
May they be completely one so the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire those you gave me to be with me where I am. And then they will see my glory, which you have given me, because you love me before the foundation, before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will make it known so the love that you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. Amen. Jesus prays for himself as his mission is nearing completion. Father, it's time for me to come home. But be with these. Notice, church, that he wasn't asking God to remove the disciples, to remove the church from the world, to send them up onto a hilltop into a sanctuary or a monastery or a convent that he wasn't asking them to, to circle the wagons uh, around them and so that they could be secure in the safety of their local churches. No, he was saying to protect them as they are taking your message to the world. Don't remove them from dangerous places. Protect them as they go to dangerous places. And did you count how many times he said, let them be one? Let them be of one mind, one spirit, one mission, one vision, just as you and I are one. And by that, let the world see and let the world believe. This is Jesus praying for those who have been pulled into, who have accepted his mission, who have been transformed from death to life, who will become friends of God, sharing in his vision, sharing in his ministry, willing to take the eternity-changing message of the gospel into the dangerous places of the world. And it only happens by abiding, by oneness with the one who created us, the one who redeemed us, the one who empowers us. If you look at the one, look at the uh, the sermon notes for this week, and I encourage you to do that. There's four questions at the bottom. I'm only going to throw the last one out to you. What in your life? What perspective? What mindset? What event? What direction? What relationship? What idol? What thing that you are white knuckled holding on to? What in your life needs to needs to change? in order for you to rest more boldly in your relationship with your Savior. If there's 150 people in here, there's 150 different answers to that question. But all of us, whether we're in chair four, chair three, chair two, all of us can continue to do adjusting and surrendering in our lives so that our lives more imitate our Savior's. This week, that's what I want you to wrestle with. If you don't pick up a, a, a sermon outline, please download the one sheet because on the back, there is a, a, a graphic that, of all four chairs. And I ask you to put this someplace, whether it's your bookmark in your Bible for your daily reading, whether it's on your bathroom mirror or your kitchen fridge, someplace where you will see it quite frequently to remind yourself of the journey 
of discipleship and how you are constantly called every day to become more and more perfect images of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.